Well, let me read you a passage of Scripture. Many of you are familiar with this. It's about Samuel. Uh, He was serving the Lord while he was assisting Eli, the priest. In these days, there weren't many messages from God. And uh, quite uncommon to see visions about God. Anything about God was very uncommon on a discernible level. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had just gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the Ark of the Covenant. The lamp of God was supposed to be on all the time. The workers, the helpers, the assistants were there. They would even sleep right by their job duties. So uh, if, if the light went out, they'd wake up and put it back on and that kind of stuff. So that's the setting here. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He jumped up and ran to Eli. Here I am, what do you need? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel jumped up and ran to Eli. Here I am, what do you need? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So now the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel jumped up and ran to Eli. Here I am, what do you need? Then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said, Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls you again, say, Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel replied, yes, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family. I have warned him continually that judgment is coming for his family, because his sons are blaspheming God, and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the door to the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him, but Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son, here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything, and may God punish you if you hold anything back from me. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold back anything. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said was wise and helpful. All the people of Israel, from one end of the land to the other, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The second of our three ships is in this series is leadership. Leadership. And, and uh, Samuel here gives us a few pointers on how to position ourselves to be people of influence. Influence. That's really what leadership is all about. There's a myth about leaders. It's a myth that that, uh, all leaders have to be this type A, stern, overly confident, bossy, almost jerk 
You know, that's a myth. It's just not true. In fact, that list that I just went through is enough reason for people to be pushing away from a leader. And that's causing the leader to be of little or no influence, which in effect equals bad or no leadership, right? One of the best characteristics of good leadership is meekness. Being meek is not being weak. Meekness means strength under control. That's the biblical term for meekness, strength under control. Now, because we have such a warped view of leadership, many of us don't want anything to do with being a leader because we think it's all that list of stuff. I have to be a jerk to be a leader. I have to tell everybody what to do to be a leader. If someone were to ask you if you would consider leading a group or a ministry team, you'd turn tail and run as fast as you could. Don't call me a leader, right? Or maybe you just make up some super spiritual excuse like, well, I'm not sure now would be the right time. Let me pray about it. We do need to pray about it, but is that really your step in letting God direct you or is it just a way to stall? A leader can be a very unlikely candidate, like young Samuel. I want you to watch this video and notice who becomes the leader, who becomes that person of influence. Watch this. What we're doing here today is being able to show this little paint horse that you see running around behind us that it can get two questions that it constantly asks answered. The two questions this horse is constantly asking is where can it find comfort and where does its leadership come from? So Abby Hornus is going to become the center of this project and will become the source of leadership and comfort for this horse. What we're doing with this mare is trying to teach this horse to find and seek comfort that it can run around all over this arena and try to find the two things it's looking for. It's looking for leadership and it's looking for comfort. And what we're doing with this mirror is teaching her how to find that leadership and comfort. We're telling her comfort is not over there because if you go over there, I'm gonna make you keep moving. If you go over there, I'm gonna make you keep moving. And we're letting this horse find comfort and leadership in the form of Abby in the center of the arena. How long it takes this horse to find that comfort and leadership is entirely up to the horse. There is not comfort by this barrel. There is not comfort down on that end by Jackie. There is not comfort turning and looking toward me. Not there, not there. Let this horse find where comfort is and let it seek and find its leadership and its comfort by finding Abby. And now the teachable moment is completed. No pressure is now being put on the horse. The two questions about where its leadership comes from and where its comfort is has been answered. And now wherever Abby goes, as long as she supplies the leadership with her body language and her demeanor, 
that horse is glad to follow because it is the most comfortable thing that horse can be doing right now is submitting to the leadership of Abby. Huh? Very interesting about leadership. Now I want to narrow down this message even further because leadership is really a broad topic. So let's talk specifically about applying leadership to Cornerstone Christian Church. You see, I am compelled, and I believe by God, I'm compelled to cast vision for Cornerstone to have more leaders at more levels. More leaders at more levels. Now, that does not mean that we get a whole bunch of new elders and new full-time staff. I mean, we, we could get more of that, but that's not what I mean. It also doesn't mean that we have a whole bunch of leaders and a whole bunch of teams who duplicate the same jobs, kind of like a free-for-all. Well, you do it this week, I'll do it next week. I'm not talking about that. This means that we have more options for ministry with designated leaders for those ministries. It means giving those qualified leaders more authority to carry out the purpose of any given ministry. It means Cornerstone is poised for growth because we have enough people to lead others into the mission of this church, which is to make disciples. You may have heard someone say, or you may have thought to yourself, Cornerstone is lacking. It's lacking because we don't have this ministry or or we don't have that event to reach those people, or we don't have that type of connect group, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then you get wind of that particular thing being done at another church. So you launch a complaint like this. Nothing is going on at our church. We don't have anything going on around here. Maybe I should start shopping around for another church. But hold on. What if you just failed to recognize God's voice? We all know that we're capable of that. Even the experienced priest Eli missed it the first two times. Maybe he's calling you to start something right here. That's where the idea came from. Maybe he's prompting you to to get with an existing cornerstone leader and start praying with you to, to, to help you start a group or a ministry team. You know, if that happens, you're not really out there all alone. Not at all. We have a procedure to, to walk you through so you can be sure that this was God's voice and not just indigestion from the pizza you ate the night before. It's actually God speaking to you. It could be that God's calling you to put a team together and make sure it's well-staffed with the the right leader and the supporters, and then maybe you could go start something else. Maybe you're the entrepreneur type. It could be any number of things, but the point is we need to put ourselves in a position where we hear God's voice and become the person of influence that he's designed us to be. Notice I didn't say leader, the person of influence. Same thing, same thing. 
So as I go through these three things that Samuel did to position himself to become a person of influence, think of how each one will apply to you. How could you be better positioned to start hearing God's voice regarding how you could be used in an area of leadership? Now, those that are nervous about leadership, please bear with me through this and and maybe change your view of leadership because we all lead in something. Maybe you don't have the, the point person position, but even if you're in the administrative part of it, you're still leading. I mean, think of it, stay-at-home moms. Oh, I'm not a leader. I just stay home with my kids. What a leader. You're leading your children. Okay, so, so just don't get scared off if you don't see yourself as the leader type, all right? Look at these three things. The first one is Samuel worked faithfully. He was so faithful. It says that the boy Samuel was serving the Lord by assisting Eli. Okay, he was an assistant. He was a servant. Samuel was dedicated by his mom to serve God in the tabernacle. She was so grateful that that God gave her a child. She was praying for many years to have a child. She was so grateful that I can't imagine her not wanting to show some great appreciation, and because of that, she led her son to serve God. Hmm. Sounds like leadership every parent should try out. From this passage, it seems like Samuel was a great servant. It's quite obvious that he was submissive to his mother's idea that he dedicate his life to the Lord. And the way he wakes up three times and immediately runs to Eli for direction implies that he was very loyal to his leader and dutiful concerning his work in the temple. This is another characteristic contrary to our view of leaders. We tend to think leaders are not followers. But in reality, the best leaders are great followers. Part of the reason they're leaders is that they learned how to lead by other leaders teaching them. Obviously, they're followers too. In addition to that, the most faithful leaders are still following the examples of those who taught them. See how that works? You don't really have leaders and followers and there's a hard line separating them both. Faithfulness is the main ingredient to diligent work. Main ingredient. It's one characteristic of what the Apostle Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. So that would mean staying faithful to our ministry in the church would help keep us tuned in to the Spirit. That is, if we're doing it, being led by the Spirit. We develop characteristics over time by what we practice. It doesn't just come by osmosis. We have to practice something. The faithfulness at our role in the church helps us see the way we should behave. We keep doing it. We keep practicing it. We see the way we should behave. Then we routinely behave as God would behave. Jesus was a servant. 
Now, not only is this being tuned into God's will, this is being transformed into his image. We're becoming just like Jesus. Jesus Christ is the supreme example of faithfulness. He did diligent work in the ministry. That's all he was about. He always spoke God's will, God's words. He had one desire, not my will, but yours be done. That was Jesus. But even for him, faithfulness was something he learned. You don't think of Jesus having to learn things, do you? But to the letter in Hebrews, it says, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In another place, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men. We too can learn faithfulness. Jesus said, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Let's say your little thing is attending Sunday celebration. Every Sunday right here, you spend this hour, you're very faithful to it. You may not be doing anything on a ministry team. You may not be involved in any connect group, nothing. Just coming to Sunday celebrations. But if you remain faithful in your attendance... Now, I've got to add something to this. You've got to be expectant that God will call you into a place where you can have an influence on people, a godly influence. So if you have that desire and you're doing this faithfully, then you will eventually be part of advancing God's kingdom instead of just coasting like the video with the treadmill and the rollerblades. Okay, see how that works? As we grow more faithful in one thing, it kind of spills over into other areas. Samuel was not waiting on God's voice by being idle. I mean, he didn't even know God was speaking to him. It says that he hadn't had anything, any relationship with God, really. He just knew his job in the church. But he was actively faithful in the church. See, we can wait, or or we can't wait, we shouldn't, and we can't wait to show our faithfulness until somebody brings us into a big thing that they trust us. It doesn't work that way. We've got to be faithful now with what's already been entrusted to us. Are you being faithful to anything at Cornerstone? And is that leading you to something else? Are you being faithful? Is that leading you to something else? And really, you have to hear something for that leadership to be leading you. And that leads us to number two. Samuel listened intently. He listened. One would naturally expect an audible message from God to be given to Eli, the priest, not to the child, Samuel. I mean, Eli was older He was more experienced, and he held the priestly position. But God's chain of command is based on faith, not age or position. In finding faithful followers, God may use unexpected leaders. Totally unexpected. Like that girl in the video. Nobody expected her. You see the horse trainers with the whips and everything. That's who's going to lead this horse. 
it ends up being this unassuming girl sitting in the middle of the room. This was the beginning of Samuel's relationship with God. This is what I want to point out right now. God was speaking to Samuel. Samuel knew he was being addressed, but he did not know it was God. He actually had to learn how to recognize God speaking to him. In other words, it's possible for God to speak to someone and for that person to know something is going on but not know that it's God. It's possible for God to guide a thought in my mind but I may not know God is doing it. Something like this happened to Samuel. This is exactly what happened. He didn't know Eli had to actually help him with this. It's what might be called the ministry of Eli. You know, sometimes we can be helpful to other people by letting them know, you know, I think you're hearing from God. That's what Eli did. Prayer is not just me talking to God. If God wants to, he can also talk back. To commune with God, to to have community with God and his spirit involves communication. John said this about people who follow Jesus. He walks ahead of them and they follow him because they recognize his voice. To have a personal relationship with God means I must be open to the possibility that the Spirit of God is prompting me, guiding me, speaking to me. God still speaks. The Spirit still guides. The world still gets changed. People still get blessed. God will do that. And the Spirit can work through you. If you're a Christ follower, his spirit is in you. And that's part of your adventure. Our God, the redeeming, creating, mediating, comforting Father. He's a guiding God. Listen to this. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. If you want to know where God is pointing you, that's when you need wisdom. That's when you need guidance. And then, after you ask God for that, you need to listen intently. In the next verse, James instructs us, but when a person asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Part of listening intently to God's voice is believing you'll actually hear him. There's faith in that. There's faith. Are you taking any initiative in learning to hear? Are you pressing in toward God to learn how to recognize his voice? I'm not talking about saying, well, I don't hear God's voice. That's pulling away. Are you pressing in? You may not hear it, watch this, for years. But are you pressing in anyway? That's faith. The third thing about Samuel is how he responded. 
He responded obediently. Although God had spoken directly and audibly with people like Moses and Joshua, his word became rare during three centuries of rule by the judges. By, um, by the time Eli came into being, and he was in that position, the prophets were not speaking messages to Israel. So no wonder Samuel was in the dark about recognizing God's voice. However, when his mentor encouraged him to respond to that voice, young Samuel did exactly what he was supposed to do. And his obedience brought him God's favor. It says, as Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said was wise and helpful. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? Everything out of our mouths become wise and helpful. His effectiveness also showed, and, and it was the people of his nation, from one end to the other, that confirmed his prophetic gift. All right, we don't just appoint ourselves into any gifted area. It needs to be confirmed in, in our minds, in our spirits, and in the church. It needs to be confirmed. Samuel had some tough words to say when he held that office of role of a, a judge and prophet. But there was always an attitude of humility in his approach. When you see him acting with boldness, it's not arrogance. It's not him saying, ah, look at me, I'm a prophet. He's being obedient to his calling as a leader. He just goes for it. And this caused people not only to respect him, but it caused them to put their confidence in God. Not in Samuel, but in God. And it happened because of his initial response to God's voice that night in the tabernacle. That's why we should never shy away from his call on our lives. Don't shy away from it. If we respond like Samuel, we don't lift up ourselves. In fact, we do what Jesus pointed out when he said, let your light shine before men. Do your thing. You know, it's easy to see these guys let their light shine. They're on a stage. Okay? So are we saying, well, oh, I have to work in the background. Don't look at me. Don't... Let your light shine. If God's called you into something, let it shine. And here's the reason. That they may see your good deeds. You're going to be there. You know, it's like the lady who sang the beautiful solo and the guy came up and said, wow, that was beautiful. You really inspired me. And she says, oh, that wasn't me. That was the Lord. And he said, well, that's funny. I thought I saw you up there. Okay, let them see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That's the reason. So what's the conclusion of all this? God uses people who are willing to be used. That's it. God uses people who are willing to be used. Bottom line, that's where leadership starts. It doesn't matter who you are right now. It only matters who you're willing to become. It only matters how much you're willing to care. How much your heart, how much of your heart you're willing to give. You want to give it all? You can. 
And it only matters how much you're willing to do and to what extent you're willing to take responsibility. So here comes another little video clip. And I want us to just meditate. Just let it speak to you. It's a kind of a calming thing. Treat it like a little devotional time we're all going to have. As a bunch of individuals, just focus in on it. Go ahead. A leader is not measured by how tall he stands, by the tone of his voice or the strength of his hands, or the width of his smile or the curve of his chin. No, a leader is measured without and within, by the number of lives that his life has changed, by those ransomed and rescued who have called out his name by the storms he has weathered for some other's sake, by the nights they have slept while he, alert and awake, kept watch for the dangers ever present and near, so as to lay down his life for those he holds dear. No, a leader is not measured by promises made or by accolades offered by those he persuades. His worth as a leader quite simply is found in those who have life due to his life laid down. You can become a leader like Samuel in your family, in this church, in our community around here. Staying faithful, listening, and responding is vital in a relationship with God. It's got to be there. Although God doesn't always use the sound of a human voice, he always speaks clearly. It can be through the Bible. And I've had times where I could swear to you a hand came out of my Bible and slapped me on the cheek to get my attention. It can happen through other believers. I've had times when people spoke to me and they disappeared and Jesus Christ was sitting right there talking to me. It can happen through dreams, visions, promptings, all kinds of ways. To receive his message, we must be ready to listen and act upon what he tells us. Like Samuel, when God calls you to action, be ready to say, here I am. What do you need? Let's pray. Oh God, it is 
so mind-boggling that you would speak to individual people. It's mind-boggling that you would stoop down to this earth, become a baby, live a life for 33 years on this earth. It's, it's amazing that you would do that for us, God. But you did it to, to show us your love, to be an example. And that example was that you listened to heaven. You listened to heaven. God, would you teach us through your Holy Spirit, teach us to hear the voice of God in all these different ways we've talked about today and others. And God, give us the courage when we hear that still, small voice to get up and move in that direction. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.